Well, we are in the third Sunday in Lent and uh, moving through the Lenten season. Uh, as you have been here and heard JR and I preaching uh, the past couple weeks, we've been in both the Old Testament and the New Testament and seeing uh, different stories in those, in those spaces where we've seen the backdrop of the season of Lent is not just maybe there's a misnomer that Lent is the season of like gloom and doom or, or sacrifice and suffering for its own sake. And that's not, that's not the goal of Lent, right? Lent is a time and a, and a time when we are preparing and rehearsing for resurrection. I found this great uh, image today, that, or this week, I guess, uh, that I wanted to share with you that kind of shows the, the, the main practices of Lent, uh, symbolized here by these three images that, that are, have been used by the church throughout the centuries. Uh, so the main practices that the church observes during Lent would be fasting, almsgiving, and prayer. So fasting is symbolized by the fish, uh, almsgiving, or it is a fancy way of just saying giving to the, the poor and needy, and then um, prayer is symbolized by the praying hands. So these practices that uh, we are invited into in a special and unique way during Lent, they uh, they can be a form of giving up something in the form of a fast, whether that's fasting from a meal, a type of food, uh, something even that's not even food related, um, but giving up something in, in the form of a fast. Maybe the, it's maybe a, a way in which God is leading you this Lent has been the giving of something in the form of almsgiving, right? Giving away to those in need. I know um, my kids have been raising money for uh, some refugees in Ukraine through some different things, and it's been a time of giving above and beyond, right, our, our tithe, but giving to those that are in need and remembering them as they come to mind. And also giving ourselves to focused prayer, right, which is, again, why we've been opening the prayer chapel on Wednesdays, just to uh, give ourselves a chance to come together in prayer and to encourage us into deeper times of prayer and fellowship with God during this Lenten season. See, Lent is meant to be kind of a, a reality check, right? It's, time, it's a time to really take stock of where things are. What is the reality we find ourselves in? Now, when we get to Easter, right, we get to turn our heart towards the hope that we have and, and how we know things will turn out, and that is going to be a time of serious celebration because we are people with hope. We are people with an expectation of what God is doing and what God will do, and we have a firm belief in those things. But Lent is also a time for reminding of ourselves that we're in a dire situation, but for Jesus. We are in a dire situation, but for Jesus. Lent reminds us of our need for a Savior. We, we are meant to, during this time, remi remember that we need to be grounded in this reality, that there is dust on our feet before we can look up to heaven, right? Because, you know, if things are pretty much okay here, and we've got it handled, why do we need God? But in Lent, we acknowledge that things are going sideways in our world, right? And we don't have it handled. Come, God, to our rescue is the cry of our hearts. Come, God, to our rescue. And so while we take on these voluntary forms of sacrifice in these 40 days, it's done in anticipation of the renewal that is dawning, of new life that is coming. In a recent sermon, J.R. reminded us that heaven is, is not the place where finally everything is just the way I'd like it to be, right? 
but it's the place where everything is just the way that God meant it to be. And so today I want to talk more about what does it mean for us to be the kind of people who want things to be the way God wants them to be? What does it look like for us to, to mesh those things together? And so the world that God wants is the word that we want, right? And so in Lent, we embrace some of these spiritual disciplines, not to somehow earn more of God's favor or, um, you know, make up for things that we've done. No, that God gives us grace for that. This time in the disciplines, they're meant to instead shape our desires. They allow God to turn our hearts towards him. It's a time to submit ourselves, our hopes, our dreams, our motivations to God so that they may be shaped and molded by him. We embrace these spiritual disciplines that are in this image and others to provoke us to the questions, what do I desire? And is it what God desires? And the good news is that when, when our longings are yielded to God and in line with his desires, they find fulfillment. So this morning, I want to turn our attention uh, to a, a passage in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And uh, I'll remind us again of the psalm we read, which connects really well to the psalm passage. Let's hear the words of the prophet Isaiah in Psalm 63. Uh, nope, Psalm, nope, fi yes, Isaiah 55. We'll re go back to the psalm later, but Isaiah 55, um, 1 through 3 and 6 to 9. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. The word of the Lord. Well, uh, after the psalm we read in the Isaiah passage, who's thinking about lunch right now? Right? There's been a lot of talk about food. Yes, Junia is, is being honest with me. Uh, <laughs> a lot of talk about hungers and thirst, right? Uh, so that's probably the reason why you're thinking about lunch maybe a little bit more than you would on a normal Sunday morning. Both this Isaiah passage, and if you remember the psalm we read responsibly this morning, talk about hunger and thirst. In Isaiah, we just read about food and wine and milk. Now do you feel it, tummy rumbling? <laughs> uh, psalm 61.3, it said, I seek you, my soul thirsts for you. Psalm 63.5 and 6 said, my soul is satisfied with a rich feast when I think of you. Isaiah says, come all who are thirsty. We sang that as well this morning, right? And so all this begs the question, what are you hungry for? What are you thirsty for? And where do you go to quench your thirst and satisfy your hungry longings? 
Well, first of all, I want to talk about what, de what determines our hungers and thirsts, right? Well, for our physical body, the, the thirst for water is pretty universal, right? We all need water every day to survive and to thrive, and it, it affects our thinking and our, our functioning if we don't get enough water. But how many of us have problems drinking enough water every day, right? Is it just me? Uh, they, the, they recommend that we get eight eight-ounce glasses a day, and it's so good for us. We live in a country where we can essentially have free access to water pretty much anywhere you go, right? You can get some free water out of the tap here, comes out of a tap at your house. You can get a free glass of water at a restaurant, right? There's so much water, people around the world don't have access to, but we have that, and yet they still need to create advertising campaigns to get us to drink more water. Um, there are special water bottles to drink more water. There are apps that try to get you to drink more water. Uh, now, as I was writing this sermon, I got pretty conscious of the fact that I hadn't had much water uh, yet in several hours, so I had to get up and go get some water before I came back to my computer, because it's just easy to get, you know, going and whatever you're doing and forget about it, right? So something that's so uh, abundant, right, and so free to us, yet we don't take time to access it, even though it's something that we truly need. Well, not just water, but our bodies, they crave, you know, vitamins and nutrients and fiber and protein and complex carbohydrates and all those things we need to survive, right? Now, if you think about the amount of time we spend procuring and preparing the food we need daily, it's kind of overwhelming, right? My family, they want to eat every day, every day. They want, it, they want food multiple times a day, and I spend much of every day dealing with the hungers and thirsts of the members of my household, right? And I live in a home with, as I said, running water, a microwave, refrigeration, and we don't grow any of our food, right? We don't keep any animals in the backyard. And so how easy is it still for me to come buy these things? Um, so much easier than so many people throughout time and history and even in our world today. And, and so think about how much time I spend, how much time would it, is it for those who are actually growing and cultivating that food that they need as well, right? Or having to go and forage for it. And so think about that amount of time and realize how much time and effort we go through daily to fulfill our physical desires. And yet how much do, time do we set aside for, to fulfill what our soul truly craves, right? We're not just bodies, but the spirit in us it hungers and thirsts as well, right? God created us to be in relationship with him. In the garden, he had fellowship with Adam and Eve. They, they were co-creators together. They enjoyed the beauty together. They fellowshiped together. And our hearts long for that kind of communion and intimacy with God. It is what we were created for. Our truest selves long for the living God, the source of all life who can quench our soul's thirst, longings, and hungers. But yet, as we think about that, we are prone to seek other things to fill that void, right? We look for other things to, fulfill, to fill that void, and we're susceptible to deception and addiction. God made us for a longing for what is good, but we're susceptible to the enemy's deceptions and the world's invitations to fill that with other things. Now, I don't say that to make us fearful, but to make us wise and discerning. 
we're, we're going on vacation, and most of the time our kids only watch TV that's like on, on you know, Netflix or something, so there's not a lot of advertising. But when we go on vacation, we're at a hotel, and all of a sudden these things pop on in the middle of their shows called commercials, right? Uh, and so as we watch them, I have to, you know, mention to my kids, hey, you know, these, these beautiful images and these catchy tunes we see, they're, they're there for a reason, right? They're there to make you want something, something that they are selling. Now maybe, maybe it is something you would enjoy that would be useful to you, right? But, but be aware. <laughs> be aware that whoever made this ad has a vested interest in you purchasing the product, so their motives may not be completely altruistic. Now, I do believe there are people out there who create new products because they truly want to share them with others and make their lives better, right? Like, I, I like watching Shark Tank sometimes, right? There's some people out there making some cool things and that, that they really want to help the world, so I, I like that. But we also need to be aware that there are corporations that they need you to keep buying things, right? They need you to think you need something. Uh, and so we need to be sober-minded, right? We need to be wise and discerning. Is anybody out there a soda person? Anybody, one of those people that needs to drink like a Diet Coke every day or anything? Uh, we, we know some of those people, right? Now, I looked into it and I realized, I found out that, that they put things in sodas, right? Primarily sugar and caffeine. Those, those two things have addictive properties. So that once you start enjoying them, it's, it's kind of hard to stop. They trigger our brain to want more of them. So I invited my daughters into a little experiment this week, uh, and I'm gonna show you how, to, how it played out. They were invited to taste um, uh, water and a soda, and then a glass of water, which I mixed in um, an equivalent amount of sugar that would, would have been in the soda. So it just basically was sugar water. So I'm gonna let you see how this science and theology experiment worked. All right, I have my two volunteers, and I want you guys to tell me which of these drinks would best quench your thirst. I want you to start on the, this side. My right, your, your left. Yep, take a, take a drink of that one. Nope, the other side. How, how would that do on a hot day? That would do pretty good. Pretty good, okay. I think that would well. All right, try the middle one. <laughs> That's a sugar water. All right, now now taste the one on the far side. All right, now which was your favorite flavor? My favorite flavor? Um, well, flavor I'd have to say... You can go back to the other one if you want. Try that one again. I need more Sprite. Okay. Because <laughs> Sprite is like my favorite thing in the Sprite. Me too. Yeah. Try the middle one again. What did you think of that one? This one's okay. It's like, it kind of tastes like yeah, but it seems too like tea and fancy to just yeah, it tastes like less Yeah, it, and it's kind of warm. I I need something cooler to mm -hmm. make it feel better. So that middle cup is just sugar and water. Oh. 
the sugar and water and, the, and it's the same amount of sugar that's in the sprite which one tastes sweeter though the sugar water or the sprite sugar yeah <laughs> does it does it taste good to you though yeah all right well thank you for participating in my experiment today have a round of applause for our uh, experimenters here. Thank you for your volunteer. They, uh, they participated voluntarily, although I didn't tell them at the time I was gonna show the video this morning. So <laughs> thank you, thank you for your uh, participation. So yeah, so I tried this too. That's the, it was a little warm, Junia, because I, that was easier to dissolve the, in a kind of lukewarm water. But it, it was really gross. Like, I, you, I could only take a sip of sugar water, and it was just so sweet. It was overpowering, right? Um, the water, you know, was, like, I needed to drink water afterwards. I drank Sprite to get the taste of the sugar water out of my mouth, right? Because it just was so sweet. Uh, because, you know, the, the, the carbonation and the acidity they add to soda, particularly like colas or like lemon-lime sodas like that, so that we're not repulsed by the amount of sugar in it and we actually want more. Like if we were just drinking that plain sugar, if we were aware of what we were putting in our bodies, we wouldn't do it, <laughs> right? But they trick us into craving something that our bodies actually, natural tendency is to say, I'm repulsed by this and I don't want you to put any more in here, right? Uh, as, as a follow-up to the study, um, the Sprite did end up being, they drank the rest of that, they came back and finished that, but no one came back to drink. <laughs> either the water or the sugar water. Those, those were still full uh, at the end of this experiment. So, what does that have to do with anything? Uh, so the world does its level best, like I said, to turn our desires towards things that they seem good on the outside, right? But they don't bring satisfaction to our souls, right? Isaiah knew about this reality and he lived in a time before Sprite or ad campaigns, but he still knew what, what was going on, right? Uh, he said this, he said, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? And he's saying we spend, we spend money for that which is not bread and labor for that which does not satisfy when God offers what we need without money and without price, Right? The, the idea of fasting, particularly from like a food or, or something in the spiritual life, this, this reminds us of the benefit of that, right? Uh, I read this quote on fasting this week that I thought was helpful. I'll read it to you here. Fasting has much to teach us about our dependencies and needs. It may strengthen our reliance on God rather than ourselves or others. It may make us more appreciative of comfort or even free us from a previously unnoticed crutch. Here we go. Fasting can serve as one of our guides on this journey through self-examination and toward wholeness as we allow God to further shape us into the image of Jesus. Through it, we begin to align our hearts with the suffering of Jesus as we move toward Holy Week, the event of the crucifixion, and the promise of new life beyond. So, you know, this is there's that's the bad news, but there's good news too. There's good news is that. Uh, we are freely invited to receive that which gives our souls life. Yes, there are, there's deception out there, right? And there are 
false wells that we go to to receive life, but there is the well that God offers, right? And we are freely invited to come to him and receive that which gives our souls life. In the passage we read today, we see images of fulfillment, of satisfaction, of delight. God says, seek me and you'll find me, right? This is not a, a game of hide-and-seek where you only find God if you act the right way, right? Or you do the right thing. If you fast enough or are penitent enough, then you can find God, right? There's a secret to it. No. Isaiah says this goes against that lie that says you can only find God if you work harder or suffer more, right? And fasting is not a way of manipulating God or earning his favor. God says, just look for me. I'm making myself findable. I'm making myself findable which is a relief because if he weren't, it would be very difficult to find him, right? But God needs to make himself findable for us to find him. But he says, seek him. He's findable. Call on him. He's near. And in this Isaiah passage, verses 7 through 9, we see that in order to seek him and receive our soul's satisfaction, we must be willing to relinquish our unrighteous thoughts and ways and turn to God in repentance, right? Did you know the word repentance means turning? means turning around. So it says here, let the wicked turn away from their ways and turn toward me, right? Let the unrighteous turn from their destruction, their destructive thought patterns, and turn towards me to seek me. Turn away from that which is destroying you and seek me. God says he will be found if we but repent and turn away from the deceptions and addictions. And in verse 7, we see that there is mercy and there is abundant pardon. There is mercy and there is abundant pardon. You know, one of the first, you know, one of the most significant things that affects what your body hungers and thirsts for is actually your family of origin, right? If you think about it, think about different uh, people and where you grow up around the world determines whether or not you're someone who prefers spicy curry or mashed potatoes, right? Because it's based on your, your family and, and where you grew up. Uh, now, I will say as a caveat, now parents know for certain that just because we like something doesn't mean our kids are going to like it as well, right? We've all dealt with that. And I'm reminded of that fact daily. But our parents and their families, they do have a significant impact on what it is we grow to crave and enjoy. They say that even during pregnancy, that like what the mother eats affects potentially what that child may have a palate for. Um, so just to be warned about that. Uh, so the challenge is today. If, if you want to have the, 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 the cravings for God, then spend time with your Heavenly Father. If you want to have an appetite for what God has an appetite for, spend time with God. Allow time in God's presence, whether here in our corporate worship time or alone or in the prayer chapel or in a sacred space that you have that you go to, that time in God's presence is what allows God to transform you and transform your desires to desire what he desires. As we saturate ourselves in the word and in prayer, we do so to become better acquainted with his ways and his thoughts. Our souls were designed to crave communion with the living God. Seek him and be satisfied. All that God offers, it's too costly for us to buy. Kind of like in that story today, right? He, he wanted this, this unending box of yarn, 
but it was too costly to buy. But yet, for those who would receive it and be generous, it was, it was free for that little girl for the taking, because she had a heart to share, right? It's free for the taking, what God offers us. So why spend our time chasing after things we can't afford and that can't bring our souls the satisfaction we crave when we are freely offered all we need? Let us remember that we are to seek the Lord while he may be found and to call upon him while he is near. May we turn our hearts towards him this season with a humble spirit that we may know his ways and do his will. Let's pray. Father God, as we heard this morning, uh, our ways are not your ways and our thoughts are not your thoughts. And yet, God, we long for them to be. We long for you to transform our minds that we may think about the world the way you do. We long for you to transform our hearts that we may care about the things that you care about. Break our hearts with what breaks yours, God. Align our wills and our spirits with that which you would want to do and see done in our world. Lord, we pray today that in this season of Lent, that all the things that we do to empty ourselves and ground ourselves in the reality of where we are would give us a hunger and thirst for more of you. May it awaken in us deeper thirsts and hungers and longings for you because we need you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.